Welcome to the Endurance Horse Podcast, where endurance riders from all across the globe gather, sharing their stories, goals, and progress as they train for and compete in endurance events at every level. So kick off your shoes, pull up a chair, and listen as we gather around the virtual campfire and listen to friends from across the world. Hello, and welcome to episode 20 of the Endurance Horse Podcast. I have been looking so forward to putting this episode together for you today. And I wanted to mention that the Tom Quilty Gold Cup is going on right now in Australia as I'm putting together this podcast episode. I'm looking forward to getting audio from the Tom Quilty. I have almost enough audios promised that we can have a whole episode dedicated to the Tom Quilty, followed by, hopefully, if everybody sends in, another full episode dedicated completely to the Tevis Cup again this year. Really looking forward to that. And I wanted to say, Jenny, Adriana, Victoria, Molly, you're all in my thoughts and prayers all day. I'm hoping that you have a super ride and that it just is beyond all your expectations. Have a great journey. Without further ado, I bring to you episode 20 of the Endurance Horse Podcast. Hi, it's Therese White from Manitoba, Canada, and I'll just give you an update of what I've been up to, or trying to be up to. Um, Our plan was to go to Fort Howes in Montana, and then follow that up with the 100-mile ride at Bighorn. In preparation for that, we trained all winter. And when I say all winter, I mean winter. It's, I'm from Manitoba, so it's cold here. And by cold, I mean minus 20 or worse. Now, I draw the line at minus 25, and I'm talking Celsius. I'm not really sure what that converts to. I think zero Fahrenheit. I'm not sure. But it, it, that's cold. And we went out, and we would do various loops um, each weekend trying to get out and, uh, and riding in the cold and riding through the snow, and just our horses were doing so well and we were so happy and we were excited we figured we were at the right spot well you know you make plans and then the wheels start to fall off first Wendy's horse seemed to kind of go off upon further examination he had scratches some people call that greasy heel Um, and so you know she started treating that Dug a little further, and he had a bad case of thrush, so she started resting him. Okay, fine, so he was out. Then Tia, my my former Tevis horse, who had a bad puncture injury a couple of years ago, just wasn't doing well, and suddenly it was it, it was like obvious that she just wasn't wasn't going to be able to to do what we had hoped to do. And then my Anglo Arab serenade started having. I, I, I did a two, couple of 50s on her. She was perfect. I came home, brought her home. We did a couple of rides in the park here, just easy rides. Did 15 miles one day, 14 miles the other. Monday morning, she trots up. She's lame. I'm thinking, what? What happened? You were fine yesterday. What happened? I don't understand. So I had a few people look at her, and then I thought, I'm going to have a chiropractor look at her. So he came, and he said that 
her right back leg was sort of, I'm going to say out of the socket, partially out of the socket, but that's probably not the proper chiropractic term, but I'm not a chiropractic. Anyway, um, he adjusted her and wow, I had my horse back. So then, but that meant uh, we just, there was no point even thinking of Fort Howe's. And definitely the 100 was off the table for Bighorn, which which was really disappointing. But you know what? Life is full of disappointments, and you kind of say, well, what now? So we did all of the local rides and then kind of started thinking, well, what do we do now? Where do we want to go now? Well, all of a sudden, before I know it, we're going to Maudaw. And Maudaw is by Medora, uh, South, uh, North Dakota, sorry. And first of all, it was just going to be three of us. Well, then it ended up being five of us and, f- and four horses. My friend Wendy, myself, Wendy took her son, Ethan, who, who was riding in the 50 along with us, and, and another friend. So we decided, yep, just I think a week before the ride that we were going to go down. So we got our health papers in order and got, got down there, and holy crap, was it hot. It was, I think, 30 Celsius plus 90% humidity. The day of the ride, I felt super nauseous. I don't know what was going on. And I thought, why didn't I go in the 30 mile? What was I thinking? Why did I go want to go 50 miles? We could have done 30. Anyway, we, we started out, and it was a 15-mile out camp and then vet check. I got to the vet check and and my mare was doing wonderful and I thought I thought well if she gets pulled I can pull well she didn't get pulled so I thought nope gonna continue on I was nauseous I was dizzy and there was a lot of climbing up hills going down hills switchbacks looking over you know and I'd look over and I'd think oh I don't that's not working so I quit looking over the hills I just looked straight ahead and didn't and just carried on. Well, about mile 25, I thought, oh, hey, look, I feel so much better. And I was half done. So now I thought, well, I think I can do this. So last year at about mile 40, serenade in the heat and the, and in the heat and the uh, humidity, we just, she just couldn't cold down. She's a big, heavy set, you might want to say fat. Anglo Arab, and uh, she just she just couldn't she just I just couldn't get the heat training in because if you don't have heat it's hard to train for it so she would have trouble cooling down and twice in the hot and the hills I had to pull her well this time we got to the forty miles and wasn't she she was pulsing down like a champ I was so pleased however now we were sort of tight on time. So we lost two of the riders, heat stroke mostly, but anyway, Wendy and I carried on and uh, we met up with another gal from uh, uh, Montana and away we went on the last 10 miles. We decided that we wouldn't try to trot up the hills because the horses really haven't done a lot of hill training. So we would walk up the hills, trot the downs, trot the, the levels, and as the gal from Montana said to us, sometimes faster isn't better. So 
or so, sometimes faster is slower, pardon me. And I thought, yeah, how true. Anyway, we finished that ride with, I think it was 15 minutes to spare, but we made it and we were so proud of our ponies because I come from flat as a pancake area and this was a tough, tough course for them. I, I told people it was like a mini Tevis and would have been excellent training if you're going to Tevis. Anyway, we survived. I even passed up ice cream because I didn't feel that great. But let me tell you, when I got home, I had ice cream. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Hi, my name is Molly Kivas. I am 16 years old, and I am riding Quilty as a junior. I'm from Oakland, California, but I train and ride all over. I do most of my endurance training in Auburn, California. I travel all over the U.S. as a catch rider for endurance rides of any distance. I don't have my own horse because of the amount I travel. I do, however, go and train on the Tevis Trail a few times a month in order to keep up my riding stamina. Otherwise, I just do some light riding during the days I'm not in Auburn. Because I can't train on horses all the time, I have to do a lot of training without them. For me, this includes lots of running and at-home exercises that keep me in shape to ride. I started riding when I was four years old because I had extreme anxiety and riding became like an outlet for me. It calmed me down and it relaxed me. I got into endurance when I was 11 and I started racing when I was 12 or 13. I met someone at the barn I ride at who wanted to get juniors into the sport. I rode for him for a few years until I wasn't a junior anymore and I decided that I need to move on and challenge myself some more. I set goals for myself and now I strive to reach them. My goal in the beginning was Tevis and in 2017, I got my buckle when I was 14 years old. This year, I'll be going for my second buckle. My goal now is Quilty, and after Quilty, I have my sights set on Scotland's version of Tevis. Endurance challenges me in ways no other sports can do. I hope to get an endurance horse next summer before I leave for college so I can continue to train wherever I end up. I also hope that I can start to bring more juniors into the sport and show them exactly what I wanted to see when I first started. In fact, there's so much challenge and struggle in endurance, but in the end, the finish is worth it. Hi there, my name is Cassidy Yox. I'm from Sedalia, Colorado, and I'm 18 years old. Uh, I own three horses that are currently racing in endurance. All three of them, I have um, started them in endurance, and we bought them when they were green broke. My first horse um, was an off-the-track kind of. Um, he was trained for track racing, but he just had no desire to run, and wasn't the fastest horse and so um the outfitters that we got them from kind of needed to get him sold before they paid to get him shipped back to California and so we uh gave them an offer and they took it so Chip was ours his registered name is give us a kiss but we call him Chip uh from there we did our first endurance ride a few weeks later and I don't know it took us about eight or nine hours and my mom uh after the ride was like you know you're either gonna come in and you're gonna be sad and wouldn't want to do it anymore because it was just too far or you're gonna come in and love it and we're gonna be stuck doing this and we're stuck doing this and it's just the most amazing sport and I think we have the most amazing people in this sport um I've had so many great mentors over the past years that I've been doing this many of them have sponsored me as juniors and a lot of them I met 
um, while not being sponsored junior and are some of the greatest friends that I could ask for. Every time I ride with someone new, I learned so much more and you kind of just have to be a sponge and absorb it all because they've been doing it probably a lot longer than I have. I just take it in because everyone has their way of doing things and some things work for my horses and some things don't. And so it's always a learning experience, which is so great. I have been doing endurance since 2011, I think is when we did our first ride. I didn't start doing or attempting to try hundreds until about two or three years ago. My first hundred was a little complicated because I still needed to be sponsored. My first sponsor pulled. I ended up being put with another uh, rider who was from Germany. Um, That was a cool experience, but she ran a lot of the rides, so I was like really confused because I didn't usually get off being 11 years old. I just kind of held on and knew when to stop and go and stuff like that. Ended up getting about 90 some miles or away, and we ended up rider optioning because he was getting all cramped up and it was kind of getting cold out. And so we didn't finish that one. Uh, the second one we tried, we had a bit of a colic scare. Uh, he started laying down with me out on the trail, and I ended up having to hike him back to camp. Uh, for about three miles and got him on fluids and the treatment vet was like I think you need to get him scoped for ulcers when you get back and so we did and that ended up being what the problem was is he had some ulcers and so we finally got that under control and then when I started high school I joined FFA there's a project called a supervised agricultural experience and so for my project I wanted to start a horse and bring him up into endurance and so I found an Arab uh, from Stephanie Wind here in uh, Elizabeth, Colorado, and um, the horse's name is DBR Country Bourbon, aka Whiskey, Um, and he's a Sabino, so he's uh, black and white and kind of looks like a paint, and everyone is like, "Um, so what is he crossed with? And I'm like, well, he's a purebred Arabian, and everyone's like, no way, like, he's just an exotic looking horse, and he's got a personality to match. He's just a big dog and he's always into everything and he's just goofy and so with him um, my friend Jill she came out and helped us uh, get him going like we put the saddle on him and I sat I got on and sat on him for my uh, birthday that was my present from them is they helped me get on and sit on him for the first time and then from there we just slowly worked up it took us a full year to get him going out good on the trails and then we did our first LD and my mom and I did that together which was fun um I think we came in sixth or seventh and from there we did our first 50 and just kept working on that and he's turned out to be a really good endurance horse it took him a while he's just always needs something to do so I don't think he could do any other sport just because he needs to have something to look at and something to do and I think endurance helps him with that um, he's the horse that I plan to take to Tevis this year, and we've been training quite a bit. We did, we tried a uh, hundred this year at the Watoya Cup in La Vida, Colorado, and he was so good all day long and perfect vet score. Like I was really happy with it. And we ended up getting on the last loop. We were about halfway done. We were riding by ourselves and I thought it was a great experience just cause sometimes we get caught up riding with people and I wanted him to go out on his own, and he did amazing, and it was probably the best ride ever, and we got across the road and into this pasture that we had to cross to go get to the next, like, gate and go, and he didn't feel right, and so 
I just turned around and hung out at the road. I called my mom and was like, Ma, he doesn't feel right. He's kind of feels off. And so uh, my friend Jill and my mom were there crewing for me and they came and picked me up and we took him back. Trotted him out and he looked good, like nothing wrong at all. And so I was a little bit frustrated to say the least. And so we checked his feet and everything and he ended up having a rock in there. And so he was a little sore from that. And the ride manager, Tennessee, she was like, well, I could, we could put you back in the trailer and take you back down to where uh, he, we picked you up and you could finish it. But at the time it was like 10 o'clock and we were in second place. And so I'm, we had gotten passed by probably the entire field at that time. And I had already had his legs wrapped and everything, and I was like, you know what, that's okay. I'd rather just let him rest from a great 90 miles and keep him safe and sound for Tevis. And so he's on vacation now, and we're going to do a few more LDs probably to get him prepped for Tevis. And then we'll head off and go there. Ended up getting another horse just this last year from High Lonesome Arabians down in Texas. His name's High Accuracy, or we call him Ace. I started him in... LDs last year we did one at the end of the season or mid-season and then one at the end I think we've came in top 10 every single one we've come in he's just speed demon he's so fast and his stride is so comfortable to ride and so he was pretty green broke when we got him and they rode him around for us when we were down there and they're just great people to work with and we stay in touch with them a lot I actually uh, talk with the Lemons family quite a bit on tips and tricks and stuff like that and just what their plans are for the ride season. So when we brought Ace home, the mountain ground was a little tough on his little feet from Texas and because they were so flat from all the sand. And we finally got his feet nice and good. And he just looks amazing this year. And um, our first few rides this year went so good. And now that he's actually fit, he's a little unruly at the start and just wants to go, go, go. And I thought, well, maybe I'll work on keeping him back. And That has not worked. So um, I found, actually, at this last ride, if I just let him go to the front, um, he can maintain that all day long. And we hung up with the front runners at Strawberry Fields, and he did amazing. He came in, pulled down first at, like, 58, and out we went. And the only trouble we had was with the river crossings. And we practiced it earlier in the morning, but still a little bit of issues with that. Um, And we rode with some great riders all day long, and we came in, and... He pulsed down first. He was really, really low, like 48 maybe. Then we showed for BC an hour later, and it was probably his best best condition showing ever. Um, I've learned to really practice the BC stuff at home. Um, my mentors, uh, the Brownellers, have really uh, pushed me to do BC at every ride, even if, you know, maybe there's someone who's a lot large, like bigger than me or their horse looks better, just do it for the practice. And so... When I was younger, I really hated it because I didn't want to trot the circles, but now I really see the importance of it um, because I was riding with two other great riders and I didn't think I had a chance because I was a lot smaller than one of them and I was like, wait, he's not going to be my friend this time. I ended up showing him and I've got him so that he stretches out really nice in his trot and he just looked so amazing and we ended up getting best condition too. So that's been our... uh, best record so far we got second in our ride before that and now first in best condition he's just come a long way and I hope we can keep doing this well for the rest of the season before we move up to 50s yeah we'll just keep doing that and we're gonna plan to do some xp rides this year which are amazing I've learned so much from those rides even though they don't thoroughly like check every little detail of your horse for every vet check 
it really helps you as a horse person and an endurance rider to understand your horse and if they're good to go or if they're not. And I think that's really important for everyone to to know about their horses and that all vets are different. But if you have a problem and you really need some help, then they're there to help you. But if they want you to be the one taking control and knowing your horse, and that's a huge aspect of like learning and I love that. I think it's great. And I've, the rides have really helped me grow. So, you know, if you see me around at rides, please say, Hey, bye. Hi everyone. This is Victoria from Marvel Endurance. So we are a week out from the big event and, um, we're not packed. The horses are ready, but we are not. We, of course, have all the basics, but as always, there is a nagging feeling that you're forgetting something, and inevitably you do. So that will be us come Wednesday morning when we're all on the road, I suppose. This ride is a huge deal for us, getting to start in it at all. I've been aiming for this for the better part of seven years, and Adriana has been for five years. So coming into this, we still haven't even decided which horses we're riding. We we know which ones we're taking, of course, but no idea which ones we're actually going to ride on the day. So at the moment, I'm just going to try and sleep better. I don't feel ready for this at all. I think I was much more prepared for the last 100 mile we did in 2017, and this has been a completely different experience in the lead up. So I'm working full time at the moment, And it's been a struggle getting the time to ride, so I don't feel fit enough. But at least the horses are, so that's one thing going for us, I suppose. So uh, more to come in a few days. Back soon. Hello, my name is Jose Flores, and I am an endurance rider from Mexico. I'd like to thank Christine Hike and the Endurance Horse Podcast for inviting me and, and their interest in my story. I've been around horses for pretty much my whole life. Although I grew up in Mexico City, which is a 20 million people crowded city, my grandfather was a rancher. So I would, I would go four or five times a year with him to the ranch and work the cattle. So that's where I started off with horses. Even though they were um, little Mexican criollo horses, we rode them pretty much all day, working the cattle and um, just running around the ranch. Eventually in 1993, I think, some person came in and said, offered him a, a, a set of colts that he had purchased in the US and he wanted to get rid of them because he wanted to make more space for quarter horses. So he went with a couple of my uncles, he went to see the colts and ended up purchasing by, for, I don't know, very, very, very cheap. Long story short, over the years, I went into the internet and found out that these horses came in, out of the Glenluck Farms dispersal in Texas, which was, as I learned, a very firm, famous farm that had very nice uh, pedigrees. A couple of those of these colts were sons or sired by a um, horse of name Maxus, which also were, was very, very famous at the time. And um, these are straight Egyptian horses and we enjoyed them very much. Eventually, we wanted to buy some mares in the US so we could breed the horses, these stallions, and continue the straight Egyptian uh, lineage down here in Mexico, which was just starting. So we purchased a couple of mares, one of them from Twin Fiddles Ranch. She came in bred by one of the stallions, so Diane Malone's stallions, and uh, also a mare from South Texas, which was from Willow Breeze Arabians. That mare came in bred by 
imperial satin, which was a stallion also from a very famous farm in the U.S., the imperial stud. So that's how I started my breeding program in Mexico. A couple of years later, I bought a beautiful black stallion, completely black stallion from Diane Malone and uh, brought him into Mexico. And he's, he's the sire of the breeding program. Around um, 2005 is when endurance riding started in Mexico. That's when the, uh, the first race was held in Mexico. I got into it around 2008, 2009 in my first competition, my first race, but I was more dedicated to breeding my horses. Uh, my mares were not competing, were, they were breeding horses. I stopped the breeding program because it was not being a business, I mean it was not profitable, and then I got into more into endurance riding, which was what I learned about Arabian horses were best and that my horses were pretty good at. And I enjoyed it a lot. So we've had the Mexican Endurance Associations ever since for the last 14 years. It's a very small association. The AERC has 7,000 members in the U.S. We have 50 or 40. However, we do have six or seven races a year where all year long, I mean, we can, we can race in January, we can race in the summer, we can race in December. So you can come and race with us all year long. Whenever you stop because of the winter, please come down here and, and consider Mexico. Uh, and ride with us. We have six or seven rides every year and more around 40 to 50 riders on each one of them. We've had people from the US and Marie Varner came down here in December and completed 5,000 uh, miles milestone from the AERC because we have an agreement with AERC where every mile that you ride down here in Mexico from one of our races is going to be considered for your lifetime miles ridden. It would not give you any points for the championship, but it does give you miles for your record. So endurance has been here for 14 years, although we're a very small association. We've had riders all over the world. We've had people in the President's Cup in Dubai. We've had people in the Mongol Derby. We've had Mexicans at the World Equestrian Games top 15 once in the Young Rider World Championship in, in Europe. Uh, and we've had people riding in South America, Europe, Asia, US, etc. We're into endurance, we really enjoy it. I was able to compete the Tebis Cup and, and complete it last year. I had the honor to be the first Mexican to do, to compete, to start and finish the Tebis Cup. And I was, it was an amazing experience, let me tell you. I knew every, everything I could read about the Tevis Cup and I was prepared, I, I prepared myself physically, mentally, but I never expected the kind of, uh, uh, of kindness of how people would receive me. It was overwhelming, it was very, very nice. People was really excited of having me or a Mexican rider over there for the first time. The ride manager was really enthusiastic about it. The people on, at, the, um, at the stops, at, at, at the veterinary stops, uh, they would cheer really, really loud and hard for me. It was very, very nice. I mean, and I will always remember that, always be thankful for that receivement. I made fantastic friends. I was able to ride the, the whole uh, race with Julie Eldridge and the last part also with Rudan Everett, good friends of mine now. Ruthann's husband, Mike Everett, is also a very good friend, which, which I keep communication with through Facebook. And uh, I had great crew uh, led by Lisa Morgan and Chase Riedel. That was fantastic. And, and uh, I have to mention, I mean, uh, I rode one of Sherry Wiest's horses, Arik, and that was amazing. Sherry was absolutely amazing. They received me in their home with open arms. 
They did a fantastic professional job and uh, I will always be thankful and I remember what Sherry and Ryan did for me in order for me to complete the Tevis Cup and had that amazing experience. So that was great and I will always appreciate it. After meeting all these people at the AERC at Tevis Cup, Sherry Weiss took me to the AERC office. I met Kathleen Henkel, then we kept in touch and we signed an agreement where the miles that you ride down here are, like I said, uh, registered in, in, your, in, your, in your history in the U.S. and likewise. So that means that if you come down and ride with us, that ride is going to count for your history over there. So that is, uh, I'm very happy about that agreement and I hope to sign much more with the AERC so we can help each other and grow this beautiful sport. So that is very, pretty much my, my um, experience with endurance. I've been working very, very hard for the past two years with the, uh, at the board of directors of the Mexican Endurance Ride Association. Whenever you want, if you, any of you wants to come down and ride with us at one of our events, please contact me. Um, you can find me on Facebook or my email is jl at endurancemexico.com or you can find me on Instagram as endurancejoemx. Give me a call, give me a shout, send me an email, and I'll try to find you horses. We don't have many horses to lend or lease down here, but we might be able to find a couple, one or two on each one of our rides. So consider us, and I'll be very, very happy to meet you. Thank you again to Christine and the Endurance Horde podcast. Let's keep in touch. Hi there. My name is Dante Lapierre. I am 39 years old and I am originally from South Africa. I moved here to America about eight years ago. Yep, I just couldn't get away from the endurance riding, in, you know, which I started at a very young age in South Africa. I think I started at around six years old and I have been doing endurance riding ever since. Um, in South Africa, as a young girl, I started riding at riding clubs, but I immediately knew what I wanted to go for, and that was endurance riding. That was my passion from when I was young. I actually did a 25-mile ride at the age of eight, and then I skipped all the rest, like 50 miles or 75 miles or anything like that, and I went straight to a 100-miler. So at the age of eight, I did, did my first 100-miler, and I actually won it in South Africa, and from there, everything just flew so nicely into place. I then rode for different teams in South Africa. Saruk Arabians, they were like my mentors and I'm still friends with them. I rode for them and a couple of other teams. I then in 1998, I finished high school and I went to England where I went to work for OK Arabians for Sarah Kellaway and Ernst Urtel. And I worked there for about three or four years. But also during that time, we went to Dubai and I was training there, work rider and helping to train the horses in Dubai for also about three or four seasons, meaning I was competing at basically every weekend. We, I had rides that I was co competing. But also, as you know, Dubai was only a season where it's a six-month season. And then the rest of the year, I would go back to Europe and compete there, riding in all Europe countries, England, France, Scotland. I was in Bahrain. Ooh, I've been pretty much all over the world with horses. 
And it's been such a wonderful life that the horses has taken me and the people I've met along the way and all the knowledge and that I have gained. When I went back to South Africa, um, I rode for the national team in South Africa. But after that, I met my husband. We got married and I actually moved to America. So it was quite difficult for me to start everything over again because firstly, I knew all the endurance people in South Africa and and here I was in America and I didn't know anybody, but it wasn't long. And um, I got my first horse, uh, Priscilla Mushka. And after that, I got like, I think, eight more. <laughs> uh, this year is the first year that I will attempt uh, Tevis, the Tevis ride. It's been on my bucket list for a couple of years. But as you know, it takes quite a while to build your horse up to it. And then, of course... There's been other years that it just didn't happen. and But this year I said to myself, Dante, if you're not going to go for it this year, you're never going to go it. So I'm going to, I'm 110% in it and I'm going for it. I'm actually taking three of my horses to Tevis. One of my riders, uh, Rachel Zander, will be riding uh, TA Lion King. And then I've got a junior rider, Alex Champeau. And she'll be riding Priscilla Mushka, actually. And I will be riding... My mare, Denny. Denny is now nine years old. Uh, last year, we did the big horn with those three horses and those three riders. Um, and it was successful. We actually, I also did a 100 miler last year on Mushka. But this year, we are going for Tevis. And I think that has been my main goal for 2019. The weather here in North Dakota has played a big role, especially in the beginning of the season when there was still a lot of snow on the ground and we knew that we had to get these horses ready for Tevis. It put a lot of pressure on me to get out there even though we had a lot of snow till late and it left me with very little time to get them ready. But all of my, my all of these horses, I mean, I have five in training at the moment, which three is 100-mile horses. The 100-mile horses picked up, their, picked up their fitness very well, and we did attempt to do a 75-miler and a couple of 50-milers with them. We're actually on our way this weekend to go and do a 50-mile ride in preparation for Tevis at the Bighorn. I will be riding Denny, and uh, Rachel will be riding King. And then, yeah, I mean... I have just always been endurance riding. It is my life. I don't know how to quit it. It's been amazing so far for me. Yeah, I really hope that I will be able to finish with a sound horse, Tevis, and get that under my bucket list that I've been aiming for. I think Tevis is a very a big ride, and there's a lot of pressure on a lot of people, and obviously the horses. But I just said to my riders, you know what? doesn't matter what's going to happen. We're going to give it our all. And what will be, will be. I will rather die trying than not try at all. So we're going for Tevis 2019 and we're super excited about it. The rest, I'll give you an update when we are actually there. I think we should be leaving here by the 10th of August and the race is the 17th of August. The weather has been pretty hot here now with a lot of humidity and basically just keeping the horses going and trying to keep them sound and what will be will be. So, yeah, we're looking very, very forward to Tevis 2019.
Hi, this is uh, Bridget Brown from uh, Westerdale in England. Just this last weekend, Nikki and I, my daughter, went up to do the Cairngorm 100 ride in the Cairngorms in Scotland. A few days before, we had the horses shod up with pads, as it's a very stony track. And Zephy, my Appaloosa, was absolutely couldn't understand pads at all. He was like a cat on hot bricks, he really was, just didn't understand them. Anyway, we set off on Thursday morning, Nicky and I with our little wagon, and we took Zeph and Murphy, my other horse, my trotter, and then there was Irene and her husband Steve, and they took Tink, Nicky's horse, in a wagon. It was an eight-hour drive, and we stopped twice at service stations for the horses, to get the horses out and let them have some grass. And we arrived at Mar Lodge about eight o'clock in the evening, actually, because we'd had quite a hold-up in Perth for about an hour in a traffic jam. Mar Lodge is absolutely beautiful. It's in a, a beautiful valley. I lodged there with a bunkhouse, so we had showers and um, cooking facilities and things like that. We set up camp and corralled the horses and uh, were finally managing to eat quite late at night. The, the next day was a rest day for the horses. And then on Saturday, we... Uh, got ready to vet and um, all three horses passed the vet really well uh, which we're pleased about and we set off on the 56 mile of the Cairngorms loop at about 20 to 10. Um, we set off through through Woodland uh, on, on the Marlodge estate and we were soon going up the, the Glen of Coik, which is a stunningly beautiful, beautiful valley. The horses were going really really well and we um, took us some 15 miles along up this glen and then back down again uh, and along the river past Bremer uh, to the first vet gate, which was um, at Invercal. That vet gate was also vet gate four for the 100 milers. It's an absolutely stunning place, uh, beautiful river and trees and uh, grassy, grassy place for them to eat. Uh, Zeph and Tink who uh, Nikki and I were riding past the vet with flying colours, but very, very sadly, uh, Murphy had um, knocked himself on a stone, so he was lame behind. So Irene and Murphy had to retire then. So our crew took them on in the wagon. Nikki and I then set off. Our next, we had a remote vet gate in the middle of the moor. I could tell you what it was, but I just can't pronounce the name. It was by a lock anyway, and it was 10 miles to this vet gate, and we were just up in the top of the the moors uh, in, in the Cairngorms, and it was utterly beautiful. We were following drovers' roads, and there was eagles above us and hares. Oh, it was just stunning. It was a long, long way, though, and we didn't see a single soul. Then we, we went down into the remote vet gate, and there was people there to meet us. They'd come along very stony tracks with land rovers. Um, the horses were... Had, it was pretty much just a trot, trot through, really. We, we gave them 15 minutes, we fed them, and we, we trotted them through. And they both passed well. And uh, our next leg was from this lock, which is spelt B-U-I-L-G, so if you can pronounce it, please do. It was down what Nikki describes as the longest valley in the world. So we set off down this valley, absolutely stunningly beautiful. 11 miles long. There were some places where we could get going, have a nice canter, but it was very stony. A lot of it was very stony. And um, we carried on down there to Tomintoil, which um, was our second vet gate, which was an hour hauled. The distance at this point was 36 miles. 
Both Nick and I were pretty tired by then. It was a long time in the saddle. The horses vetted really well. They had their hour hauled and they fed well and um, Murphy was whinnying and pleased to see them. Uh, and then we set off again from Tom and Toyle and we were on the way to Dorback Lodge. The route then took us through forestry, a long mower, um, long side, beside river. Beautiful, beautiful. The horses were going really, really well. However, it was very stony and we had to cross one particular river about ten times and Zephy, my appy, he was just sick of crossing rivers by then and he would sort of slither into it and trip on the stones which made the whole thing worse. Then he'd slither back out the other side. We got to, to Dorback Lodge and um, we actually beat our crew there so the helpers there helped us untack and we, we vetted the horses and then fed them. And then our crew arrived, Linda and Caitlin. We got tacked up and set off for the last the last loop. We went through fields and then we, we went through what is part of the ancient Caledonian forest. Well, I, I can't. It, it, it is just beautiful. Um, however, that last lump of forest just went on and on and on and on. And by then the horses were tired. We were being... I mean, we usually we do a 50-mile race in sort of around six hours, but the the, grow, the going up in the, in the Cairngorms is, is, is tough and steep. Uh, and by the time we were going into this um, forest, we'd been riding for a good 11 and a half hours. We eventually got to Nethy Bridge, and it was quarter past ten at night, and it was just coming in dusk, and our crew met us and escorted us in to the finish. It's amazing what um, music blasting out of a crew car in front of the horses does for the horses. Their ears pricked and they trotted up and followed that car really, really well. We got to the finish and, bless him, Murphy was shouting his head off wanting to see Zephantine. And we got them stripped off and got them vetted and they passed flying colours and we um, corralled them for the night. The next day uh, was the best condition. And both horses, Tink and Zeph, were looking brilliant. They really were. Uh, and Tink won the best condition. We found out at the awards night, um, although Candy Cameron was first past the post, Nicky and Tink were the overall winners of the uh, Cairngorm 50 um, on points. So absolutely thoroughly delighted with that. I'm absolutely delighted with, with Zephy. He's never been that tired before, and he... He really did me proud. So that's my um, my little contribution. Hope everybody's had a, a, a good time uh, with the horses and I look forward to hearing the podcasts. Howdy humans. This is Binky Tani again from southeastern Wisconsin. I still owe you all a segment three of the epic saga, How I Discovered Distance Riding. But I'm going to digress a bit from that topic to reminisce about the Endless Valley ride. Now, Endless Valley seems to be the hot topic of conversation in these parts as of late. It's one of the most challenging rides that our state has to offer because it's packed with some pretty extreme hills. And because it's always held over the 4th of July weekend, it generally comes with extreme heat and humidity to boot. Um, 2019 was no different, except for the fact that Mother Nature blessed us with some extreme rain and flooding as a bonus gift. 
boy, oh boy, we were a lucky bunch this year. It was, uh, really, it was just like the jungles of Vietnam. I mean, I wasn't there, but I imagine it was just like the jungles of Vietnam. Anywho, um, this ride is managed by Linda Jacobson and Roberta Harms. They're two pretty tough mama jammas. Um, they're veteran riders, been around the block a few times. They aren't afraid to get their hands dirty. You know, the type of ladies that could bring knives to a gunfight and walk away unscathed. I kind of want to be just like them when I grow up. So the first couple years I attended Endless Valley, it was held at a pretty swank stable. We're talking electricity and water readily available, and you could even rent a box stall in the barn. And there were showers, and there was a tack shop on site. <laughs> well, despite all these luxuries, um, my first year in 2015, I still had some trouble. Um, there was parking my trailer. That was a challenge. And then I didn't have the proper adapter for the electric hookups. Um, but the late Tim Castlery helped me out on both of those fronts. Um, my horse trip and I ended up with a second place ribbon in the 30 mile CTR, but we didn't have enough energy to ride again the second day. Those hills really kicked our butts. We're talking super big hills. Well, the next year in 2016, we also placed second in the 30 mile CTR, but, um, Trip through a shoe on the last loop, but thankfully a friend of a friend with some farrier skills took care of that issue for me. So we attempted the 30-mile LD the following day, but we got pulled after the first loop due to severe muscle cramping um, and Trip's right hind leg. So that's when Tim Castlery stepped in to my rescue again and gave me a crash course in adding calcium gluconate to um, my electrolyte regime. So um, since then, we have not had a cramping issue. Knock on wood. <laughs> Anywho, in 2017, you know, that was my transition year, so I didn't ride um, Endless Valley. But when I came back in 2018, the venue had changed. Uh, we were now in like a completely primitive camping area, just an open field. And Tim, my knight in shining armor, um, had abruptly passed away during that transition year. So I made double sure I brought all the proper gear with me this time. And I had learned how to properly maneuver my trailer on my own. But, you know, I had a new horse, a very green horse, Titan. Uh, he was the X factor that year. Titan was about as well conditioned as he was well trained, which was not quite up to par. So when I woke up on ride day, Titan was a fire-breathing dragon. Honestly, I was a bit terrified to get on him. I spent some time walking him around the camp, but I was still terrified um, until I ran into a Ruth Castlery, Tim's wife. She could see I was a mess, and she offered to ride with me. I think she felt sorry for me. <laughs> Praise Jesus! Another Castlery uh, to the rescue. So her friend, Marty Power, was also okay with the concept. Uh, and Linda, the ride manager, allowed us to form our own little group and take off 15 minutes later than the other CTR riders. It was really heartwarming to find myself surrounded with such accommodating people. You know, it takes a village to raise a binky. Well, thanks to Ruth and Marty, Titan and I survived. Uh, when he finished, his PNRs were pretty high. And needless to say, there was no trace of that fire-breathing dragon left in him. He was a little off in his right front, but we managed to take a fifth-place ribbon home. 
And clearly we were not fit to complete a second day, but I was just really happy we made it through one and lived to tell the story. And that brings us to Endless Valley 2019. Well, that area of the state had been absolutely cursed with rain uh, that week. I think they said like eight inches came down. So between the ridiculous amounts of rain hitting their super rich soil and the incredibly steep hills and the scorching 90 degree heat and my consistent track record of never being able to complete more than one day at Endless Valley, I opted to just ride on the second day because it was predicted to be um, a bit cooler. Well, cooler it was. <laughs> because more rain rolled in and knocked some of that hot air out of the sky, which was wonderful. But it was also horrible because um, the already challenging trail was already soaked to the bone. And I had been hearing stories of mud flowing knee deep and it sounded awful. A lot of the riders didn't show up. <laughs> Some actually came, took one look at that swamped primitive camping field we were in, and they turned around headed for home. Some signed up to ride, but opted out uh, when that early morning rain came again. And others started down the trail, but quit after one loop, because I'm telling you, it was um, really, really less than ideal. But... There were two CTR riders that were determined to complete come hell or high water. <laughs> Pun intended. There was me. Um, I'm the girl that had just spent two weeks shooting cannons and not taking showers, sleeping under a tarp, and I was unable to ride my horse at all for two whole weeks. Oh, my God. I thought I was going to die. And Amber Hennig, um, the girl who finally recovered from bringing new human life into the world. So this was her first ride since giving birth and I'm pretty sure she would have ridden through a tornado at that point so yep we were the only two CTR hardcores that were desperate enough to ride under those conditions um, but once again the ride management was more than accommodating they extended our time on the trail they pushed the start time later to allow us to recover from that first storm um, they made sure the trails were marked impeccably and they even had signs and caution tape up in particularly precarious sections, um, and there were a lot of precarious sections, <laughs> but they really did everything they possibly could to assist us in completing safely. So Titan and I were all alone on the first loop. Um, Amber took off on time. She was rearing to go. I was a little late getting started because um, I had Linda, the ride manager. He, she had to hold Titan for me and distract him while I mounted up because for some reason he was a bit of a fire-breathing dragon again. <laughs> so when I say the ride management was accommodating, I mean the ride management was accommodating, like Ritz-Carlton accommodating. I mean, she held my horse for me. It was like unreal. Anywho, thank you, Linda. Um, so while out on the second loop, um, an LD rider and I kept leapfrogging each other which is generally pretty irritating. So we decided we should just cave in and ride together for a bit. And that's how I met my new friend, Christine Jubeck. Um, this was the first LD she was attempting with her new horse, a saddlebred, Sir William. And I was beyond impressed with how conscientiously she was handling him. So we all struggled along together, and Titan really surprised me with how amiable he was toward Sir William. It was just kind of heartwarming because Titan really does not tend to like other creatures, but 
you're like Sir William. But ultimately, Christine and I had to part ways when she decided to get off and take a walk break because she wanted to make sure Sir William got some grass in his belly. Titan had been eating just fine, so we trudged on, and ultimately, we took High Point. Woohoo! Which was amazing because I wasn't even sure we'd complete. And it was double amazing because Titan actually finished completely sound with good PNRs, no pain and a positive winning attitude. Whole new horse. Ideal. (laughs) Um, Amber, the new mom, she finished a close second, and Christine and Sir William were about a half hour overtime, but that did not matter one bit. They finished sound and happy and ready for the next challenge, and she really deserves a pat on the back. In fact, I think everyone that rode Endless Valley 2019 deserves a firm pat on the back. And a stiff drink. (laughs) I mean, that took some perseverance and grit and guile. And for those riders that were smart enough to opt out, well, kudos to you as well. Um, That trail was really rough. You know your horse, and you did the right thing for your horse. So everybody's a winner. Um, Linda and Roberta, mad props to you for thinking of everything to include having that tractor handy to pull all the stuck rigs out of the mud. I mean, these ladies really thought of everything. So, uh, in summary, I really can't wait for Endless Valley 2020. I think it may just be the year that I am able to conquer uh, that trail two days in a row. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe I'll see you there. Binky out. Hi everyone, this is Victoria from Marvel Endurance. And I'm Spencer Clark, Victoria's husband. Yeah, he's very interesting. At the moment we are on the highway, heading toward Stirling. Uh, We left about 9.30 this morning, which was about two hours later than we originally intended. (laughs) Uh, We had a little, uh, well, we had a little issue. My clippers have decided that they only want to work for about 20 minutes at a time, so I've had to clip the horses in bits and pieces over the last few days and what happened this morning Spencer? What are you referring to? Well I didn't have a meltdown but someone Oh did. yes so <laughs> as we uh, arrived to our farm where we keep our horses uh, our friend uh, Adriana who is uh, coming to the ride with us she's riding one of the two horses that I'm currently towing uh, we uh, rock up to the entrance of our farm and uh, she's got uh, her car half unpacked uh, clothes hanging from doors and windows um, and she's uh, having a bit of a meltdown. So, unfortunately, some of their water that they've brought with them has uh, tipped out and, unfortunately, has gotten all through her uh, gear and equipment. So she's in uh, full meltdown mode. Interesting that it, le- that it wasn't me that was in the panic this time. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting because normally things happen to us. Yeah, usually it's us. And I'm, I mentioned that to her. Like I, I said, do you remember the time the horse float came unattached from the car that was a real problem (laughs) so at least we're heading toward the ride with a few days of uh 
worth of sunlight to dry all of her clothes. So well, that's speak, a... speaking of uh, floating issues, we've had a few of those over the years. Yeah. We've rocked up to service stations and been missing a wheel. Yeah, uh, we've had, as you said, the float detached from the car at, uh, at full flight along the motorway. Yeah. Um, recently, we, uh, we, lost a, we lost a toll, but we didn't lose it, uh, a Buster tyre, and uh, had to race out to, to replace it. Because so, the spare was flat and didn't uh, fit the float. Yeah, so poor, poor planning <laughs> on our part, unfortunately. But yeah. um, So we're obviously on our way to, to Stirling to participate in the Tom Quilty 2019. This is come back to Queensland after six years. Last one was in 2012. Okay, so seven years, I should say. So, obviously, we've got two horses here. We've got two riders. Uh, Do you know which horse you're riding? No, I don't. There's two horses in the float, and each of them have their merits, and Neither rider can commit to one or the other. No. (laughs) Well, as Adriana pointed out a couple of weeks ago, if Coda was in the float, she wouldn't have any trouble picking. Because it just wouldn't be Coda. Yeah, It'd okay. be anyone but her. So why don't you tell the listeners why there's a dilemma as to why you personally can't pick? <sighs> well, you put it rather plainly last night, didn't you? It's uh, Jazzy's the one I should ride because he and I mesh really well. We're both a little bit crazy and we like to go fast. And you don't like to kick slugs? And I don't like to ride slugs, no. Um, whereas Mizzy is... Um, he's special... And I mean that in a super sensitive way, not in a. You mean he's, sentimental. He's he's not a he's not a bullhead. He can't be. You mean he's not special. He's he's not sentimental. Special. He's he's sentimental. Yes. So, um, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but uh, we have a we have a purebred Arabian stallion. We've had him since he was born, and about a month after he was born, his mother kicked him and broke his shoulder, um, and he had always been the horse that we were going to do endurance with he was going to be our our winner I suppose the the one that we were going to focus on and then this disaster happened and he was never going to be rideable um, and about a year after he was born Mizzy was born so they're half brothers they have the same father and we were there the day Mizzy was born and we've kind of watched him grow up my friends owned him at the time and um a few years ago they contacted us and said did we want to have Mizzy because they'd been under pressure from people that were where they lived it was like a corner block and the horse was on a out near a road and people were passing by and could see that he had stifle lock and for people that don't know what stifle lock is it means that his back legs get uh, stuck in like an extended position and it looks painful but it's not painful at all it's more frustrating yeah and you can see it it frustrates him too but uh, at the time he wasn't broken in and it was quite severe and they were under pressure from neighbours to put him down because they they believed it was cruel and he was in pain but um, my friends didn't want to put him down so they asked if we would take him and about a year after that broke him in and he did his first 20 kilometre ride as a three and a half year old two weeks after I broke him in uh, he's never he's never been a bitted horse he's always been he did his first ride in a halter barefoot and now he's turning eight because he was 2011 so he was he's turning eight this year he's actually turning eight now what's the date today tomorrow he's turning eight tomorrow yeah. 
and um, yeah, he's he's now done 28 rides with no vet outs. He's a tough little pony. The furthest he's ever done is 83 kilometers, I think. We'd intended for him to do a 100 kilometer ride last year, but we just didn't get around to going to that one. So he's um, he's done a couple of fast 80s. He's won a ride or so, and he's he's a really tough little pony, but. He's just a slug. <laughs> he's so lazy. He's like the polar opposite of his brother, who's just a little psycho. <laughs> but he's he's just special. Because I always intended to do this ride on his brother. And I feel like I really want to ride Mizzy. So there you have it. That's the dilemma that she's facing. So sometime <laughs> within the next coming day, uh, they will obviously make a decision. Um, to keep keep a lookout for results. It'll probably be a coin toss, quite literally. We'll probably toss a coin to figure out who's riding who. <laughs> okay, so we're obviously on our way to Stirling, which is at Imbal, which is a uh, a small town in the Mary Valley in the Gympie region of Queensland. Uh, so we've got to actually go to the showgrounds of the town before we can go to the property where the ride base is being held. Why why are we going to the showgrounds first? So, because it is such a big ride, we've got horses coming from interstate as well as riders coming from all over the world. So, specifically for biosecurity reasons, we're all pulling up at the showgrounds first and the horses have to go through a uh, basic vet check just to make sure that they're all um, healthy and have travelled well. So, this isn't a place where you can be vetted out, but if the horse has a temperature or serious problems when it gets off the float, there um, there will be measured measures in place to uh, protect other horses that have already arrived at the competition. So it's um, it's just a little added security as far as everything goes because we've got horses coming from all over the place, um, and we don't know whether or not there's horses that may be coming from areas where there's a strangles outbreak something else like that we've had to do temperatures for 21 days in advance before arriving and we have to keep doing their temperatures up until the day of the ride so it's um it's very full-on so obviously once we get there we're going to get them off and, and get them uh presented to the vets i'm assuming yes yeah, so at the at the showgrounds uh one of the chief stewards and a team of vets i think there's three of them there each day um, up until I think Friday is the last day that people can arrive and each of those days as people arrive they'll get their horses off the float the vets will check each of them and um, just give the riders a bit of a, a heads up if there's any slight things that they might need to work on whether it's gut sounds or any little nicks and grazes that might have been developed on the ride to the showgrounds. Um, so obviously over the last few months what's been the, the most challenging thing as far as preparing for the quilting? For me personally um, well we've just moved so we moved from Harvey Bay down to Toowoomba which has been exciting because we've got our own block of land and we're getting ready to build on it. We finally got the approval for all of that but I've been working full time so the, uh, the farm is 15 minutes from where we live and half an hour from where we work and I have to be out there twice a day to feed the horses. We don't have a lot of grass because it does not rain. So I'm out every morning before work and every evening after it and sometimes I don't get there until well after dark to feed and, and water them. So 
it's been very challenging having the time to ride. So time has been your enemy? Very much so. I, I am hating time at the moment because there is just not enough of it. <laughs> so the plan for the next couple of days, obviously we're on the road there now, We've got to go through the, our first initial vet check to actually get past to arrive at the ride base. It's, once we get there, it's setting up to make sure that uh, the horses all have enough space and we are going to be crammed in because we've only got two horses but we've got a lot of people so there's going to be quite a few spectators coming along my mum is coming my sister is coming um adriana's parents are coming and um there's yeah there's there's a lot of people coming i think even cat said she was going to come along and yeah. just see how everything what everything's like um she'll probably end up just sleeping you know swag in the float or something i don't know <laughs> so are we restricted to area space yes very much so we are we are very restricted i actually don't know how much space we have so we will find out once we get there um, we're uh, hoping that since we are leaving uh, going to be getting there sort of early afternoon wednesday so in the next hour or two uh and the ride doesn't actually start till friday midnight we're hoping that we uh, have a bit of room to set up before we then sort of park the cars a bit closer. You should see our dogs right now lounging in the back seat of the car like they own the place. Let's face it, they do. Um, they're going to have a blast. Everybody loves Revan. Revan is asleep. Revan doesn't want to talk. So, uh, when does the ride start, Spencer? Friday midnight. Friday midnight. Uh, which I'll be asleep for. Oh, you're not going to get up for the start? Oh, my goodness. Oh, How could maybe. you not want to be up for the start? Maybe. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Someone's going to have to be there to make sure that I'm not crying. I'm not worried about you crying. Uh, you're worried about Adriana crying. Yeah. Well, Adriana will cry. It's the way. It's what will happen. We know this. History speaks for itself. The fact is that I will also be crying, and that will be worth either seeing or worrying about. <laughs> I'm not a crying person, so it will it will be uh, very special. Spencer doesn't think it will be. Well, it's been something you've been training for for the last six years. Yes. And I still don't know which horse I'm riding. Well, you do. You just haven't committed to it. I know which horse I'm riding, but I haven't committed. Yes. Do you want, do you want to shed some light on that? Well, keep in mind, Adriana did all of the work on Jazzy. She's the one that got him through his first four rides. She's done all of the work on him, well, and he's you, special to her too. Well, then you better get that coin out. <laughs> yes, probably we'll have to get that coin out. <laughs> so, <sighs> I'm thinking we're probably going to be in the saddle a similar amount of time to the last time we did a 160. Um, the last one we did was about 17 and a half hours. I was just glad that we all got through, but I think 17 hours is a pretty reasonable time frame to expect. Uh, it's just slightly less than 10 kilometers an hour, so I think um, I think that's pretty reasonable. I, if we go a little longer, so be it. Um, faster, I'm not really intending to go any quicker than that because it's going to be a bit too difficult and too much to expect of the horses so we'll literally just be wandering around that course and once we're finished we are finished because we really want to buckle rather than um rather than a win 
and it can but be the main thing is the humidity yeah and it can be extremely of, humid yeah. because of where it's located it's the humidity that really gets to us if it's not if it's not the surface or the track itself it's it's the um it's the humidity that really gets to you so as long as the pumps for the taps are going well this week it will be fine <laughs> yeah but if we, it's we're in the middle of winter at the moment um we, and it is a it is a, it is a night ride for the in, in, intro to it, so so hopefully we won't get too much heat. I mean, 20, 25, 26 degrees is quite nice, even with a bit of humidity. So we'll um, we're not not being negative Nancy's about the area, but we haven't had great results unfortunately in the past here. So hopefully we can swing that around and just take it easy. That will definitely be the plan. Who are our strappers? Well, obviously I'm the super strapper. Super That's strapper. my title. Um, AKA the chauffeur, <laughs> uh, the camp setter-upper and packer-upper. I'm obviously strapping crew. Uh, Adriana's got a boyfriend, Nathan, with her who is learning the ropes, so he'll help me out a little bit. Um, and I suppose keep me company a little bit too. We do have uh, Adriana's dad as well who has, uh, he has been state championships uh, trained. He has done a 160 before, so he, um, well, strapping. So he knows what uh, what we are like when we are stressed out and tired and cranky. I mean, when we are wonderful beings of light. Beings of light. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my mum will be keeping us fed throughout the day, uh, and Adriana's mum, Jenny, will be... Keeping her fed. Keeping her fed throughout the day. So we actually, each of us have a, uh, a strapper and a feeder. <laughs> My sister will no doubt be running around doing the horses as well. So she'll be making sure that our gear is clean and all of that sort of thing as well. So what is our strapping process, Spencer? In the first initial couple of legs as you're coming off the track, I'll have some water available, but... We probably won't need very much of it, maybe just to just to clean girths and stuff, put a little bit of water on their belly so we can take some heart rates, but we shouldn't need to do too much cooling because I think it will be still pretty chilly yeah. to the point where it won't need a lot of cooling down. Or we'll need some rugs, of course. Um, we Obviously, I'll be tending to the fire for most of the weekend <laughs> so that you guys can warm up on your short breaks. Um, as it comes to sort of during the day, midday, and then sort of early afternoons, in the last couple of legs, I'll still have that water available for a little bit of cooling down. I still think it's probably not going to be massively necessary, just depending on the humidity, because we have, horses have been in a very low humidity environment uh, back home for the last six months, so they could be a little bit out of climate for it. But um, So yes, that's our strapping procedure for the few legs that uh, are happening. Hopefully, uh, if I do my job properly and you do your job properly, we might end up with some buckles and other, and other gifts for me to claim. <laughs> Towels and jumpers are my thing. But yeah, so we, we head home on Sunday, so yep. ride finishing sort of sometime between Saturday midday night. and Saturday night, um, Saturday afternoon sort of thing. So we'll head home on the Sunday. So yeah, that's the plan for the weekend. It's going to be a big couple of days. Uh, already tired, already sore, and it's been three and a half hours. <laughs> so yes, so that's our, our plan. Uh, he's not even riding and he's already complaining. <laughs> I'm riding a car. <laughs> I would also like to point out that we are so well prepared that uh, each of us has 
two or three saddles. Adriana has two in her car. I have three in our float. And we've only got two butts and two horses, so we're really going to have to decide on what saddles we're using too. But we're so well prepared, we also forgot the rake and the dog food. Yeah, yeah. but luckily, um, Imbles only five minutes down the road, so the dogs are getting something generic for this next few days, which is probably okay because, let's face it, at rides they're a little bit too excited to eat anyway, and they'll get scraps because... Gary will feed them scraps. But anyway, that's uh, Victoria and Spencer from Marble Endurance in Queensland, Australia. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed hearing our banter about the Tom Gulty 19 and look out for some results. And no doubt a lot of you guys will be keen to see how uh, this race goes over here in Australia. Um, can't wait to meet Jenny when we get to the ride. So it'll be nice to finally put a face to the name. And, uh, well, the voice, actually. We'll be able to actually meet Jenny It'll be lovely yeah we will we will update again sh- shortly so right on thank you so much for listening to episode 20 of the endurance horse podcast as I wrap up getting this podcast together for you our fellow riders our friends are still out on the trail for the Tom Quilty 2019 and hopefully in the next episode you'll learn just exactly how they did and you hear their stories straight from them. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Endurance Horse podcast and if you did please share it with a friend, tell somebody about it and invite them to share their story on the next Endurance Horse podcast. We enjoyed having you along for the ride. Endurance Horse podcast is where you get to share your adventures of riding good horses through beautiful country. Many stresses in life are washed away by a good gallop, a steady trot, or by simply saddling up your favourite horse for an easy ride. Remember, every mile a memory.